if you were on trial for being a follower of Christ, would there be enough evidence to convict you? That's the theme of our study in the book of James. We are now in the fourth week of that study. And man, I've enjoyed it. God has been opening my eyes. God has been teaching me as we have been going through this book. And I ask myself that question as I prepare each week. Is there evidence in my life that I'm a follower of Christ? As a pastor of a church, I, I, when I meet new people or I'm hanging out with people um, just in the community, I don't always lead out with that. Um, and I want to be just a normal guy. I want people to be able to approach me and be uh, friends with me. But it's always interesting when I finally tell someone or when it comes out that I pastor a church to see their reaction. And I have to admit, sometimes the reaction, oh, wow, really? And, and that we laugh a little bit about that, and I'll joke with my friends about that, but if that were to happen every time, if that were to happen all the time, man, is there evidence in my life? And much more important than pastoring a church, is there evidence in my life that I'm a follower of Christ? We've recorded again this Sunday at Vertical Church in Hillsboro. I want to once again thank Pastor Ryan Brooks and the congregation uh, there at Vertical Church for allowing us to use their facility and want to thank our band and worship team again uh, just for all that they do and I did want to let you know next week we have something special for you next week and we're not going to tell you what it is but it's something special for you next Sunday uh, through our live stream and so looking forward to what God's going to do during these unique times I hope you're staying safe I hope you're abiding by all of the uh, the, the mandates for certain, the recommendations from our governing authorities. I hope you're praying for those in the local authority, those in state authority, those in federal authority. hope you're praying for our brothers and sisters across the world. Um, if there's anything we can do for you, please direct message us, comment here. We would love to do anything we can at this moment to bless you and serve you. Last week we were in James in the first chapter. We'll be back in James chapter 1 this morning. We looked at verses 19 through 21 in our text, and I must admit that I had been guilty in the past of taking verse 19 about being quick to hear and slow to speak and uh, slow to anger. I had taken that verse often and isolated that verse and preached it merely as behavior modification and I will have to say it's so satisfying to me as I study God's word and I do so for myself first. I pour all of myself into my, my study alone. And then before I complete an outline or oftentimes before I truly flesh out my outline, I will make sure I consult trusted um, others, other trusted people and sources um, in a topic. And it was interesting as God was teaching me verse 19 that I looked in several of my trusted sources and uh, God was, had taught them the exact same thing in commentaries and whatnot. That, that verse is contextually about the way we receive God's word. And let me be clear this morning, it is not okay to isolate one verse of scripture and to pull it out of its context and to preach it however we want to preach it. That is not okay. 
And as I said last week, that does not mean what that verse says is not true. It does not mean that if you apply it to the way that you behave, that that's, not a, good, that's a good thing. But to preach that verse as if that's the truth behind that verse, for me as a pastor and a teacher and a preacher of God's word, would not be theologically honest. I could have turned you to many other texts that could have taught us about our behavior when it comes to uh, being quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. But last week's verse 19 was not the time to do that. That brings us to today's message and is simply titled, A Mature Response to the World to the Word, Part 2. A Mature Response to the Word, Part 2. That means last week was Part 1. And this week is part two. Let's read our text. We're in James chapter one this morning. Open your Bibles, Keystone family. Uh, I hope you have uh, your journals still uh, from the book of James. Open your journals. Um, But we're going to be in James chapter one and verse 22 this morning. James one and verse 22. James says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, be but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. Heavenly Father, speak through your word. James, the half-brother of Jesus, the pastor of the church of Jerusalem, wrote these words to the, 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 the Messianic Jews that were spread and dispersed throughout the known world. But God, they speak so clearly to us today. God, I pray you would illuminate it. Holy Spirit, you would use it to transform our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. James pulls no punches following up last week's text, uh, ending in verse 21. He continues his presentation, James does, of how we are to receive the implanted word. How are we to receive God's word? And He comes right out and says it in verse 22, the first verse of today's text. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Deceiving yourselves. If you want to write something down this morning to remember, uh, write this down. God's word is not merely informational. God's word is is supremely transformational. I'm going to say that again, and I want you to grasp that. God's word is not merely informational. God's word is supremely transformational. By the way, God's word is full of a lot of great information. Uh, I believe the Bible to be the greatest history book that's ever been written. However, The Bible is not an academic study. It's not simply a theological uh, library. God's word 
is a living, breathing life changer. A transformational book. God's word is not merely here for you to hear. It is deeply here to transform how you live. God's word is not merely in existence for you to hear it. It is deeply in existence to transform you to live it. To live it. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. If I may be so bold, who really cares how much Bible you know? The question is, how is what you know, the information that you have, how is that living itself out in your life? Maybe you've been the same as I have been in times past. I'll meet someone who is super smart. In fact, they are theologically on the next level. They can take you to verse after verse and, and they can... Uh, they can spout off this terminology that maybe you've never heard of before. And that can be a little intimidating, right? It has been for me in my life. And by the way, I'm not saying that we should not seek to learn more. We should not seek to polish our theological mindsets. And we should not add some uh, incredible academic information from God's Word. We ought to do that. But however, I've met people that that's, that was what they focused on. And incredibly, so often... When you see the way they would live their lives, it's like one thing is, is not like the other. They're so intellectually and theologically deep, but they're so practically shallow. Hey, they've got all the ologies and the isms down, but man, they don't, they don't know how to treat their neighbor. They don't understand be be kind one to another and they don't understand as we spoke about last week sell all your goods and feed the poor you see this morning if we're not careful those of you that have an intellectual lean will simply study God's word and read God's word and consume God's word as you would consume any other textbook or you consume any other work of fiction or non-fiction but this morning James just calls it he just tells it like it is he says be ye a doer of the word and not a hearer only and I know that makes some of you that maybe are recovering legalists this morning that makes you a little uncomfortable you see you've experienced this grace grace yes it's amazing but you've abused this grace as Romans chapter 6 speaks of as the book of Galatians 6 speaks of and you have taken the grace of God and you have used it as a license to ignore the clear biblical commands of scripture to be a doer of the word and can I say this this morning there is a gospel road and that gospel road is straight, and that gospel road is narrow. And let me say this one. I want you to pay attention this morning. 
there are ditches on both sides of that grace-centered gospel road. And on one side of that, of that road is the ditch of legalism. Listen, you got to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this to add up. Even though you're a born-again Christian, you've got to do this and 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 this for God to truly accept you. But can I say this, and fair warning, on the other side of that road is this ditch of abused grace. On the other side of the straight and narrow grace gospel road, on the other side is the abused grace. And it's, listen, uh, whatever the Bible says in here for us to do, I mean, that's, that's merely a suggestion. And, and I, I will live my life how I want to live my life now because I am under grace and therefore I am under no obligation to do anything. And if we're not careful, the grace of God will cause a spiritual laziness in our lives. And if we're not careful, the grace of God will cause us to sit back and to not be aggressive about what Jesus is in our life. It'll cause us as church members to sit back and, and refuse to serve in, in ministries. Or here, here's, here's a good one. It'll, it'll cause us to sit back and refuse to commit to serve in our church. Oh, I'll help whenever I can. No, it, it, will, it will cause us, if we're not careful, we'll abuse the grace, and it will cause us to become a bystander. A bystander. Can I say this this morning? We ought not to be on either side of that road. We ought not to be walking in the legalist ditch this morning. Praise God for His grace. But can I say, we also should not be walking in the ditch of abused grace. Hey, thank God for His clear commands in Scripture. Thank God. Thank God for the doers of the Word this morning. And can I say this this morning? When your heart has been truly changed by the power of the good news of the gospel, then your identity will be rooted in Christ and in Christ alone this morning, and your life will be fully surrendered 100% to the Spirit of God and walking in His Spirit. And then, and only then, can you truly be gladly a doer of God's Word. Let's look at these examples of those who do and do not heed this verse. Number one, let's see the immature example. The immature example. Look at verse 23. James says, If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. James here uses kind of an over-the-top illustration to show us what deceiving yourself looks like. He says it's like a man who goes and looks in a mirror very intently, pays attention, looks in the mirror, turns around, walks away, and forgets what he looks like. Forgets what he looks like. James is saying this. That we will truly fall into an identity crisis 
if we are being fed God's truth informationally, but we fail to allow God's truth to impact us transformationally. We will fall into an identity crisis when we are being fed God's truth informationally, but we fail to allow God's truth to transform us. We don't even know who we are. We looked in a mirror, we turned away, and we can't even remember what we look like. This is one who is not a doer of the word. This is one who's just a hearer only. And notice the identity crisis in the very first verse of our text. Deceiving yourselves. In a nutshell, that is an identity crisis. In two words, deceiving yourselves. We don't even know who we are. When we allow God's word to simply inform us and we neglect to let God's word transform us. We see many who would begin to question their true gospel conversion and salvation experience who have gone through this. We see many come and go and be very sporadic in their church attendance. We see many who will jump into a ministry and serve 110% for three weeks and then jump out for three months. We see sporadic Christianity. Why? Because we are deceiving ourselves. We don't know who we are because we are only hearing God's word and we're not allowing God's word to transform us into being a doer of God's word. Much of this is simply a refusal to let God's Holy Spirit change our lives and transform us. And what are we doing when we know the truth? We refuse to let it work in our lives. We are deceiving ourselves. Sometimes to the point of deceiving ourselves as to whether or not we are truly a believer in Jesus. That's the ultimate deception this morning. Deceiving ourselves. Am I truly even a believer or follower of Christ? And I've been one who's gone through that and I've uh, struggled through that in my teenage years and early adulthood. Just deceiving myself. A hearer of the word and not a doer. I've dealt with people in coming up on 14 years of ministry now. I've dealt with people time and time again, and I've heard this statement on more than one occasion. It's like I don't even know who I am anymore. I'm acting this way in my marriage, and I don't even recognize the person that I've become. Listen, my life is here, and I'm, I'm down in this stronghold or this addiction, and it's like I don't even recognize myself anymore. I look in that mirror and I don't even recognize myself. Deceiving yourselves. Looking into that mirror and turning away and not even recognizing who you are. These are the ones who are just hearers of the word and not doers of the word. Deceiving themselves not letting the gospel shape their identity 
but letting their refusal to let God's word transform them shape their identity. Basically, letting sin shape their identity. That's the immature example this morning, but I want us to see very quickly the mature example. The mature example. Remember, the theme of the book of James is maturing in Christ. It is maturing in our walk with God. It's maturing in our sanctification as we are being saved. It's maturing spiritually. Look at the mature example, verse 25 of James chapter 1. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I'd like to take a closer look this morning, very briefly, at what this word look means. Looks into. In this instance, the word carries the meaning of to stoop down in order to carefully inspect. To stoop down in order to carefully inspect something. The follower of Jesus who will take the time to stoop down humbly and carefully inspect God's word and continues therein and allows God's word to transform them. That's the word persevere. This man will be blessed in his doing. The mature believer will experience biblical blessedness or happiness when he or she will gaze intently on God's word and persevere. When they will gaze intently on God's word, hearer of the word, consumer of the word, and then persevere, doer of the word. The word has transformed the way they live. A truly happy believer and follower of Christ this morning is the one who takes the time to look intently into God's word and they soak it up. They listen to the preaching. They personally uh, study their Bible on a consistent basis. They walk in the spirit. They pray without ceasing. They allow God's word to not only come into their minds, but they allow God's word to flow through their body into their hearts and then they persevere. They become a doer of the word. They live it out. That, my friends, is a happy, blessed believer. One who hears the word and does it. One who hears the word and does it. Not one who is merely a hearer, but one who is a doer who acts. A doer who acts upon God's word this morning. It's a simple question for you. When you hear God's word preached, is there ever a call to action in your life?
Last Sunday, we spoke of coming to God's word humbly. And the first point was that we would come to God's word in repentance. Let me ask you, did you hear last week's sermon? And did you say, you know what? When I approach God's word, before I open that book, I'm going to pray something like this. God, I repent of the sin in my life. I'm going to repent specifically of the sin that I know of in my life. And here it is. But then, Holy Spirit, would you illuminate other parts of my life that I'm not even looking at? Blind spots in my life? And I repent of those. And now, God, I want to open your word with a spirit of humble repentance. Let me ask you this morning, are you a doer of the word? Are you a doer of the word? It is extremely important because, yes, we are justified by grace through faith in the sight of God vertically and it's settled and it's done. But if I may this morning, we are justified horizontally with our brothers and sisters in Christ and with those outside of the faith, our community maybe that's unsaved, we are justified horizontally by our works, by what we do. And I want that to sink in. We're justified horizontally, done deal. Jesus Christ bought, paid for, signed, sealed, delivered, heaven, down, uh, heaven bound with a hammer down this morning. We are. Praise the Lord for that. But listen, horizontally speaking here. Listen, God looks on the heart, but be not ignorant. Man looks on the outward appearance. You say, Josh, it's very legalistic. I, I truly hope you're not, you don't take that from this. I truly hope that you understand the power of the gospel in this. I truly hope you understand that we're trying to come at this from a, an identity structure that James presents as the servant of Jesus Christ in the first verse of James chapter 1. But make no mistake, the grace of God will produce good works of God. The grace of God will produce good works of God in our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, moms and dads, teenagers, boys and girls, children this morning, we have an absolute treasure. An absolute treasure in this book right here. God wrote it. They're his words. They were supernaturally given to human authors. I can't explain that to you. Supernaturally. Supernaturally preserved and canonized and preserved through the centuries and given to us by his spirit, his word. This book is a flowing narrative. The narrative of God's redemptive plan and saving mankind from their sin and may i be ever so bold to say this that the book of james plays directly into that narrative for someone who has been truly converted who has truly experienced 
the redemptive work of Christ in salvation. Someone who has truly repented and believed the gospel this morning, that person will mature throughout his or her life. They will thirst for God's word throughout his or her life. And they will welcome the word of God's transformational power to change how they act and how they live. The book of James, maturing in Christ, transformational Christianity, transformational grace, transformational gospel, evidence. Maybe this verse in verse 22 is the theme verse for the entire book, and I believe it is in my opinion. That we should be not only hearers of the word, but that we should be doers of the word. I ask you again, if you were put on trial for being a follower of Christ, would there be enough evidence to convict you? James chapter 1 and verse 22 gives us an opportunity for evidence. Are you merely a hearer of the word? Or, all, or, or, or are you also a doer? And may I close with this this morning. The gospel is spread throughout this message. In the introduction, we spoke of that straight and narrow gospel, grace-centered salvation that we received. And this morning, with the theme of this, this sermon, if you merely heard the good news of the gospel, uh, that's not enough. This morning, if you merely heard the words and information gotten to your head of the good news of the grace of Jesus and the good news of the gospel and that, he, and that he died on the cross for your sins, if you merely heard the information, that's, that's, that's not enough. See, there must be a transformation. There must be the head knowledge making its way into the heart. And this morning, whether you're a member of Keystone Church that's been playing church your whole life, whether you're tuning in because someone shared this on their feed and you're joining us, you've never met me personally before, if you just hear the truth, but you do not act upon the truth, you have accomplished nothing. And I ask you that in regards to your eternal salvation. The truth is in our sin, we deserve hell. The wages of sin, it's death, Romans 6, verse 23. But God demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, as you and I are, Christ died for us. For the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, this morning, Jesus Christ came and Historical fact lived on this earth. Transformational truth. He lived on this earth as a sinless, perfect 
God-man. He lived the life that you and I could not live. The perfect life. Was it a life void of temptation? Oh, absolutely not. He was tempted, just like you're tempted and I'm tempted. And he lived a perfect life. It's the life that you could not live. And then he died. He died on Calvary's cross. He died on the hill they called Golgotha, the place of the skull. He died the death that you and I deserve to die. We've got to be real with you this morning. If you just hear that truth and you go about your, the rest of your life, it's really done nothing for you. But if you let that truth transform your life, if you allow the grace of God and what he did on Calvary's cross, and by the way, it didn't end there. He was buried and three days later he rose again in victory. Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, celebration. He did that to give you abundant life in Christ. If you will let that truth transform you, he wants to give you eternal life in heaven. Forever with him once you leave this earth. But I've got even better news. He wants to change your life right now. He wants to transform you right now. He wants to come and live inside of your heart and life. His spirit, the Holy Spirit, wants to come and indwell you and wants to change your life from the inside out. He wants to make you a new person. He wants to completely born you again. He wants you to become a brand new you. This morning, if you've never repented and believed that truth, that transformational truth, I want to ask you this morning to take that step of faith today. The best you know how, right there where you're at in your living room, in your car, wherever you are listening to this or watching this, I want to ask you right now just to, the best you know how to, to speak out to God and just repent of your sin and believe and trust in the name of Jesus Christ for your eternal salvation. He wants to change your eternal destination and he wants to change your life today. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media ministry and outreach ministry of Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and all around the world. Visit keystonerdu.church to get involved.